Good morning, everybody. Maybe it's not morning where you are. Maybe it's afternoon. So I should say good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is the Dirt Bike Channel Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Brotherson. And uh, today we got a cool one. I got my buddy here, Leo Santo. He has driven to Utah to do some training and to get away from work and everything else and all the stresses and pressures. And uh, we were going to do a ride, but uh, then just kind of schedules didn't work out. I'm still waiting for uh, moto shippers to come by and pick up a couple motorcycles for me. And and Leo had like kind of a crazy day yesterday with uh, Rich Larson doing some doing some uh, training. So thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Good so, morning, good afternoon, <laughs> good evening. I feel like, and I, ha- I have to kind of start with this because uh, I was we were just checking the levels on the mics and uh, Leo over here, I mean, he he pulled out the pilot voice. So you're you're a pilot. You're very good at speaking in mics, right? That's the one thing I'm good at. <laughs> the one thing. <laughs> the one I hope thing. not. Oh no! So the you, I remember. I'm pretty sure the first time we ever talked on the phone, you said something to me because I I went to school to be in. I was I was in aviation. You know, the only thing I ever wanted to do was fly airplanes. And the first time we spoke, you said something. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! Stop, stop, stop. And like, and I made you re, I made you yeah. restate it because what you said something like, yeah, I fly airplanes, but I hate them. In fact, I, I think it was a text message we were texting, and then uh, that that happened, and then I think immediately right after my phone rang because you were calling me, say, <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, we got to talk about this. Wait, because because I usually talked. I mean, I've, I talked to a lot of pilots. I don't know what it is if I just like attract them to me, but I talk to a lot of pilots. I've yeah. developed more pilot friends slash acquaintances in the last five years than I did in the previous 15 years before yeah. that. And I'm like, this is so interesting. Well, we had a good schedule and good health insurance. Yeah, well, so. and that's what you said. You're like, yeah. I, wasn't it, wasn't it that you said like I was, what were you, you were doing something before that, but you're like, I'm going to go into aviation because of the health insurance, right? Well, I, yeah, it was kind of, it was the schedule, but I mean, the health insurance is pretty good too. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie on that one. So it definitely enables me to do a lot of the things that I want to do these days. Yeah, but um, but uh, yeah. So you're you're a pilot. Uh, you're a dirt biker. You're just you're just living the dream. I mean, I can't I can't imagine a better thing. Although you're telling me, you know that didn't didn't you say that didn't you say that some of your pilot friends are not your favorite? Like because they're they're kind of like all cut from the same mold, and and you don't fit into that mold. You know, I and and I that is true. Um, now the airline that I was at before that was more true. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where I'm at now. The reason that I am at the company that I'm with right now is because I just absolutely love the pilot group. It's it's cool. the culture that I was chasing uh, once I got into the industry because uh, each each airline kind of basically has its own kind of culture to it. Yeah, and uh, and so it, it's it's a big thing because you're going to be there for a better part of the rest of your life. You know, <laughs> 70 percent of the month. So so yeah, it's a it's it's a big thing to chase. Yeah, no, that's that's a ton. So. Tell me, tell me, like we don't have to talk about what airline you work for, but what are you flying right now? What are, What are the equipment? What's the equipment they have? Yeah, on? so I, I fly the Airbus three twenty series. So I fly the three nineteen, three twenty, three twenty one. That's cool. Yeah. So anywhere from one hundred forty five passengers to two hundred twenty eight passengers. So. And you said you said that uh, you you really you really take pride and love being proficient in your airplane. You're not necessarily so into all of the aspects of flying, but you really take pride in being knowing your aircraft and, and being able to, to fly proficiently and know the systems, right? Right, right. I, I've been, in my whole life, I've been to one air show and it wasn't my decision to go. So I'm, I'm, I don't really like airplanes. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just never really kind of got, I like mechanical things, so I guess I appreciate them. But what I do, and kind of what you're alluding to, is I, I really, I love my job. 
I love the system. I love the operation. I love uh, being the the proficiency that you have to have to do really well, and 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 it it could be really rewarding. Yeah, so. that that was the thing when you said you said I I love my job, but I don't like airplanes, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got you got to yeah. you got to say more on this. Yeah, and uh, but I actually have met. There was another gentleman who was texting me, or I was talking to just this last week, and he said a similar thing. So it's actually nice to me. Um, as a as somebody who always wanted to be in the aviation industry, because I I had this sense that all pilots love their job and they they all love airplanes and they all love their job. It was just seemed like that was what I thought. Yeah. And now I'm finding no, it's just like every other industry. Yeah. There are people that are there just punching the clock, and yeah. you know there are people there. That, maybe there are people there are people that love airplanes, but then there are other people like hey, this is a job for me. I'm yeah. waiting for my shift to be over and I right. want to go home to my family and, <laughs> and I don't really even care about it. Yeah. Well, I definitely, I definitely do love my job. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I, you know, I know in the past that there's, there's some people that would just kind of show up and, and, you know, count it, chalk it up to entrapment or whatever it is. You know, they went yeah. down the slippery slope and they have a lifestyle or maybe families in different cities and this is the only way they can keep things going. But, um, but yeah, for me, I, I love the job. I can't take it home with me, which is great. And, yeah. uh, and then I have freedom and flexibility to go do silly things like ride dirt bikes. Yeah, no, that's cool. So let's talk, let's jump into the dirt bikes. Tell me a little bit about what your uh, moto background is. Yeah. How long you've been riding? You know, what's, what's the situation? There? I feel like I've been riding for about a week <laughs> total. Um, my moto background, my, my parents immigrated from Eastern Europe, from Hungary, and uh, we didn't really have a lot of money growing up. And uh, so it, it, it was a struggle. And I remember growing up watching some Supercross on TV and everything else and always just kind of having the dreams to, to be on a bike and do all that stuff. Yeah. So I remember even when I was young, I, I didn't have the money to have a bike and I didn't even realize all the other things that were involved in it. But I remember one year for, I think it was Christmas or my birthday, they're kind of pretty close to, I got a whole race suit you know the pants and a jersey it was a beefy so they don't even i haven't even seen beefy in so long but it was like a blue and white you know pants and jersey and i remember anytime like moto would come on tv i I would just i would just sit there and just kind of dream about doing that and uh i never really got to we didn't really have the money and then i didn't realize this you know you have to get a bike if you have a bike you have to have a truck If you have a truck you have to have some place to go and so there were so many other steps that i didn't really kind of take into account when i was younger yeah so when I was 15 and a half, though, I found my first motorcycle. It was at the side of a gas station. It was abandoned. It was a 1977 Yamaha XS650 Special. Wow. And okay. it was fantastic. It was, it was, I, I pulled it out of the dirt. The tires how old, were, how old were you at this point? I was, uh, I was just over 15. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, I cleaned the points with sandpaper and got that thing running. The front sprocket was missing about three or four teeth. Who taught you that you needed to clean the points with sandpaper? At 15, so, so you couldn't, my, you, you didn't look online. No. I mean, I so, don't know. I was born in 81. Yeah. I don't know when you were born. Uh, I was born in 80. 80. Yeah, so, so at 15, 80. you didn't look, you didn't look this up on no, YouTube. How no, did you so f- yeah, my, my dad was an engineer. Okay. Um, he was a mechanical engineer, but when he came to the States, he, his licenses didn't translate over mm-hmm. and his English was terrible. So that just wasn't going to happen. So he ended up opening up a couple of body shops eventually and then uh, working on cars. He had several body shops. We worked on cars all the time. I grew mm. up working on cars. Helped overhaul my first VW motor when I was probably seven or eight. Wow! So it was always cars. So that's where your kind of love and familiarity with mechanics with came mechanics. From. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Ever since then, and my brother, who's a little bit older than me, never never held a wrench. Doesn't know which end of a screwdriver to hold. 
<laughs> now, which which is in a way it's kind of great because you the Saturday comes around and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just hanging out watching TV. I slept until one. What are you doing? I'm like, oh, well, I'm changing the oil on the car. I'm changing tires on the motorcycle. I'm doing all this other stuff. And it's like sometimes it. if you if you don't know anything, <laughs> you, you get a break. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. So so the moto career, you know, not a lot of money growing up. I think a lot of people can relate yeah. to that. We didn't. My dad worked really hard, and we and we didn't want for things like we weren't hungry, and we had a lot of like toys and stuff, but we didn't ever have anything new, you right. know? And, uh, and that's okay. You know, uh, this is kind of reality for a lot of people. Yeah. And it isn't until later in life when all of a sudden, I mean, we just looked at the motorcycle in the back of your truck, you know, you've got a 2018 Husky TE or TX 300. Yeah. And, uh, that's an amazing bike. I love it. And it's, it's kind of fun to be some, it feels like we, a lot of us have never grew up indoor bikes we're right. we're just trying to here we are in midlife or whatever you want to call it and we've got the toys that we wanted when we were young and uh and and now we're kind of living that dream so it's, it's i fun. i appreciate it so much more now i in one day i have more appreciation for it than i probably would have in my whole childhood yeah you know the amount of work and everything that i put to to get to this point of having this bike so um so yeah but but for me dirt biking came came in kind of later in life you know, and I, I think with you, it was kind of the same. Like I was riding street bikes for most of my life after, uh, after that, uh, XS 650 special, I had a Honda VFR, then I had a Buell, then I had a series of BMW street bikes, and then I had a BMW GS. Uh, and then I had, where a little, were you riding these bikes? Uh, mostly Los Angeles, just LA area. Yeah. Mostly Soul LA Cal, area, 405 and the five splitting traffic, um, going way too fast at 16, 17, 18 years old. So you're just splitting lanes so, right down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still legal there. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, uh, I saw a couple things go down. I actually got hit on the highway, uh, one time too. And somebody and, changing lanes or something, yeah, somebody changing lanes. And so it, it's just a, did you get hit or did you hit them? Because no. like if they're changing lanes, yeah. a lot of times you would just come and hit them, or or how did that go? Well, down? so I was in the carpool lane, okay, and the uh, the fourth lane was stopped, and I saw this little green Honda Civic turn its steering wheel hard over, and I'm like, no, nah, he's not going to go, he's not going to go. As I'm cruising by at about 45, he punches it right as oh. right as I'm right beside him, so he gets me right in the side. Nice you, little tank slapper. You went down. No. No, oh, you you I pulled did, it out. Yeah, half my bike was missing and laying on the highway, but I was able to keep it up. Wow. So, um, so yeah, that, but then my bike had to get towed to the, to the shop. Um, but yeah, so I had, I had all those. And then, uh, finally, I, I hate to say it, but you know, after the GS, I, I just really kind of, I wanted to get more dirt oriented and a little bit before COVID happened and, and COVID as tragic as it is, uh, for so many people, it gave me the opportunity that I haven't had in 15 years now, uh, working in the airlines with having that amount of time, free time. And so um, I bought a KLR 650 and probably the most amazing bike yeah. that I can, I can really, it's the gateway. It's the gateway bike. The gateway drug. Right? The gateway like bike. you get it and you don't know, are you going to go left or are you going to go right after that? Dual sport you or know, enduro. Dual sport or more enduro. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I like this, but I want a little bit more. So then I, I got rid of that and I got a, a 2020 KTM 690. So you stayed enduro. So I mean, I stayed, you stayed dual sport. I kind of stayed dual sport, but I'm like, okay, I want to take this bike on long trips and I want to be able to do enduro stuff on it. So I modified the suspension for enduro and I put a rally fairing on it. I completely destroyed that bike. Okay. <laughs> All of a sudden, it wasn't good at touring. It was terrible off-road. 
um, just because of the extra weight and everything else that happened yeah. to it. And that was a bike that I, I took this past year down to uh, Copper Canyon down in Mexico. And right. amazing trip. I absolutely love it. I can't wait to go back. I was taking art supplies down for kids and everything too and handing them out in these little villages. And it was a fantastic time. Uh, but we were on the uh, old road to Yokibo. It was like an abandoned old road through these canyons. And uh, I slip on a rock going about one mile an hour. My front tire just pops off a rock as I'm picking my line to go up a hill. I go straight down and I break two carpal bones and oh. uh, end of my radius. Wow. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere. Um, so this, is, this happened pretty much in the bottom of this canyon trail. It's kind of like an enduro trail. So now I have a broken hand trying to get up this canyon that's on cartel land. And then once we get out of the canyon, it's about another four hours of dirt road to get to this uh, little town called Bato Pilas. And ended up in Bato, Bato that night, Bato Pilas that night, and my hand looked like a Mickey Mouse hand. Wow. And so then from there, I'm like, well, I think I got to head back. And uh, I rode two and a half days total with a broken hand. Jeez. Back to Arizona, the trailer back to Las Vegas to finally go to the doctor. That's insane. I remember yeah. you sending me a text message, and I'm just like, "How did you ride?" Yeah. And th this is one of the things that's kind of, well, it's one of the, it's just one of the things that I've thought about because I've had a lot of people, you know, trying to get me to go down to Baja and do different rides in Mexico, and, and yeah. eventually I'm definitely going to do it. But it like is that, that's almost like worst case scenario. You're on this yeah. big bike, you're injured. There's nothing you can do. No, and you've got to like make make your way back. Did anyone right. come back with you, or no. did you? I came back by myself. You using GPS? Like what? How you? Um, yeah, I used a GPS. Uh, I actually, I just used my cell phone. I think I was using Gaia. I okay. think I had Gaia on my phone because um, I had yeah. tracks put into that. Um, but yeah, no, I just so you just backtracked. Back myself, kind of. Uh, I took more of the main roads and the highway okay. roads in case in case something happened. But as as fearful as people can be, being in that part of Mexico, because they say, "Oh, don't be there alone." There's you know the you know, w whether it's cartel or whether it's just the bandits, the banditos and stuff, I had never met more helpful people. Like every time I pulled into the gas station, I learned how to say my hand was broke. And, uh, and, and they would help me. They would help me take my gloves off. They would help me with my helmet, with my jacket. They pumped my gas. I mean, it was the most amazing experience to see huh. these people just, just help. And as soon as I got back into Arizona... Then there was no help. <laughs> then there was no help. There was there was zero for help. That's funny. So I mean, it, it was absolutely an amazing experience. Um, I'd say you know, I highly recommend anybody going down there. Obviously, be smart, be courteous, uh, but and know a little Spanish. It helps. But everybody down there was just so amazing. I've heard that. I've heard that from a lot of different people about the 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 people that you meet in Mexico on these rides because you end up out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. On you know buying gas from farmers. I've heard stories of that or, yeah. you know, taco stands or something. Yeah, or a nowhere. hole in the wall and a brick wall and they give it to you in a plastic jug. And Yeah, and yeah. just, but some really incredible people. Mm -hmm. So I, I need to go down and do that for sure. Yeah, well, if you had a big bike, which I, I don't think you do anymore. I'm Yeah, well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll probably, I think the bike that I'll end up going down there with is like a 504 stroke, you yeah. know? Yeah, either um, Sherco or a KTM or something. Yeah, and and that's that's not too bad. The problem is a lot of times on those smaller displacement bikes, uh, there's some ground you have to cover every day, and that was one of my big issues with my 690 down there, is that we were having to do sustained, uh, at least for the first two days, sustained 80 miles an hour for 10 to 12 hours a day, and by the end of the day, my oil was whipped into like a froth. 
I, I couldn't check my oil level until the next morning. We rode the bike that hard. Yeah. So I honestly down there, I guess it would depend really on the like route, that. you know, it, it kind of does. If you're, yeah. cause the ones that I would be more interested in would be more single tracky type stuff. That's not, true. not 80, not 80 miles an hour. Yeah. I, and to, to get down to where we were down to Copper Canyon, you almost don't want to do it on a small bike. Yeah. Um, just because there's a lot of pavement you have to cover to get down there. But, uh, but once you're down there, it's just, it's just amazing. It's yeah. epic. Yeah. Now Baja is great for the smaller bikes. Yeah, and that's kind of where I think I would go first is do a Baja trip. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the uh, importing. Um, the insurance requirements are different. So it, it's much easier paperwork-wise and everything, too, to get in and out of Baja. Yeah, that would be my probably the first place yeah. I'll, I'll do. But so that, that trip kind of taught me that the 690 um, wasn't my unicorn. And then that was when I ended up uh, selling my 690, and I got a Yamaha Tenere 700. And then I got this uh, Husky 300 that is in the back of my truck. Yeah. And I've never been happier. Well, you know, that's one of the cool things about moto or at least motorcycles is there's so many different disciplines and there's so many different bikes, you know, and, and each one of them is a different uh, tool for a different purpose or whatever. Right. right. And, so. and some do cross over. And that's one of the things that I've been doing with this one. And that we kind of talked about is I've been doing training. I've been, you know, I'm up here for that reason. And yeah. that's one of the things I'm 41 years old now. And I kind of realized I could spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on a bike or bikes overall. But there's such a return on investment when you spend that money on yourself. Yeah. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I went and rode with Ryan Hughes to do some moto training. Um, I've been riding with Josh Knight, doing some desert, uh, desert racing uh, training. And I'm a part of his online class to ride with the Knights, which is fantastic. Uh, and then, yeah, yesterday I was up here riding with Rich Larson, doing some enduro training. The basic, fact, basic enduro training. Man, the fact that you're doing all those things, because I know all these guys. Yeah. Of, I actually have never ridden with um, Josh Knight yet. Um, I feel like I have because I've talked to him so much. But um, the fact that you're doing all that training, that, that just pays dividends. One of my yeah. riding buddies has done a lot of different training, a lot more training than I've done. And I've watched his career, or I've watched him kind of, in, some, in a lot of situations, he's better than I am now. And five years ago, he was just barely starting out and in like hard enduro stuff, it's kind of like his thing that he loves. He just, he, yeah. he's kind of like Rich, where Rich says, I'm not having fun unless I'm miserable. That's what yeah. Rich Larson says. Yeah. This other buddy, Garrett of mine, he, he's done a ton of training with Rich. And I'm like, he's straight up better than me in the hard enduro stuff yeah. now. Maybe he might not be quite as fast as me, maybe in the flowing terrain and stuff. Uh, but it's fun to see people really get in and just, you know, spend the time on themselves. Yeah. And I, I, the longer I'm in this sport, the more I, come to realize and 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 solidify in my mind that it's it, you're way better off spending money on yourself just practicing your skills than you are putting like big time mods on yeah, the bike now absolutely. that doesn't mean that i'm saying like don't put any aftermarket parts on your bike but what i'm saying is if you spent a thousand dollars in training you would be you know and and practice yeah you'd be much better off than you put a thousand dollars in like parts in your bike yeah. obviously we need to protect some things you know there's some protection pieces that are a really good idea but it's like i see people putting and i hate to do this but i see people putting thousand dollar auto clutches in their bikes yeah and that doesn't help them at all. I mean, it helps them maybe not stall the bike, but their skills don't increase. Right. You know, um, and I'm not saying don't put an auto clutch in your bike. It's a good product, but I'm, I'm just, and going I know like, some people need that for physical. Yeah. Issues. Maybe, maybe the carpal tunnel in their hands or whatever, or maybe you bought the wrong bike. Maybe you have a 454 stroke and yeah. you're trying to do some hard yeah. enduro stuff. And really you're going to want to kill yourself unless you put an auto clutch right. in. But 
I feel like, you know, if you spend the time doing training and working on skills and practicing, you're going to be better off. And to me, that's what dirt bikes really is. I, I didn't start till I was 30. So you started, you started into dirt bikes later than yeah. I did. Oh yeah. But there's still so much time. I ride with people who are 80 years old. Yeah. And so Leo, think about this. I mean, we have like, if we take care of our bodies and it looks like you're trying to do that, you know, you're, you're trying to be fit. Uh, I know that you, you're very careful about what you eat. I can tell that just by the little bit of time that we spend around each other. And I go, we've got 40 years ahead of us. Yeah. I mean, 30 really good years. And then maybe 10 after that yeah. is, is we take care of our bodies. We stay fit. We stay strong. We can do this for a long, long time, you know, and also the people that I see in dirt bikes that have been in that long. I see the 60, 70 and 80 year olds that are still riding. They are much happier. They're much fitter. Like if you just take the average dirt biker and you compare them against the average American, I mean, we are fitter. We are stronger. We're more mentally like, you know, there. And that's because this sport demands that out of us. And I think that's a really good thing. Health, like health benefit long-term. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I'm kind of excited about that. I never worked out. I mean, never. Uh-huh. I didn't work out before this, but now I work out, you know, multiple times a week because I want to be in shape. I just, I don't want to be, and I'm always sucking wind anyway. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I just, it's a cool thing. Like we work on ourselves, we work on the bikes a little bit and there's that whole progression, yeah. you know, and the cool thing is we're just progressing. We're, I'm trying to measure myself against myself. I'm competitive with myself. And it's at a certain point I'll realize, okay, I'm, I'm probably, my skills are going to taper off. Maybe I'm not going to get any faster or whatever, but, um, I want to just maintain it as long as I can. And I go riding with 60 year olds that I can't hang with. And I'm just like, (laughs) this is awesome. Right. This, this person is 20 years older than me. Maybe they've probably ridden longer than I have, but it's like when you go ride with these gentlemen, um, that humble you and it feels like most of the people I ride with are better than me. And so I was even having this conversation with one of my friends from Texas just the other day. He's like, Kyle, you don't realize, you know, you're in the, you're like top 1% rider. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not top 1%. I might be top 20%, but he was pushing it hard. He's like, no, no, no. You're better than you think. You're all, you're often riding with people who are better than you. You don't realize all the people that are, you know, kind of down here. And I would say the same thing about you. It's, it, it, it doesn't take you very long if you start working on skills. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, Leo, how many people are actually going out there and paying for classes to get better? Not I, enough. I would say 1% of the people riding dirt bikes, yeah. you know? And so it's easy to kind of like progress and get some, some of these skills. And that's so fun to me. I just love the progression. I love the fact that you can be better this week than you were last week. And also the gains come pretty easy when we're just starting out, mm-hmm. you know, because like you mentioned, attack position or, or whatever you even said today, you're like, I, I kind of know what I'm supposed to be doing, but what I don't realize is that I'm not doing it as well as I think. And if I've got, you know, Rich Larson or Ryan Hughes or, or AJ Catanzaro, we talked about him yeah. a little bit. When, if you go to some of these courses, they can just literally say, Leo, you're not doing that. You think you're doing it, I but you're not. I think I am. Yes, I am. Yeah. No, you're not. You think you're doing it, but you're not. And those things pay huge dividends. Oh, it's, it's huge. You know, and yeah. I just, I love it. So I love the fact that you're, you're, you're doing it right. You've got the safety gear and you're doing the training, which yeah. is what so many people are. And I've been, a, I've been bad at that. I haven't done as much training as I should have, you know, but hey. Well, and, and one of the other things you have to look at too is the people that are doing this, the people that are putting them out there, putting themselves out there for criticism and everything else, the, the coaches, the trainers, you know, the 
the rich or AJ or Tyler, you know, whatever, all these people that are doing this coaches, they're, they're putting themselves out there for criticism, just as you know, too, you know, that somebody might not agree with them and all. Nobody criticizes you online. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I I know not you, but, but yeah. And so one of the things that there's so much value in what they give and I have gone through so much training in my life for my career and I used to teach as well. Um, I, I was a flight instructor for quite a while, and one day I hope to be in the training department at my airline as well. Uh, eventually, I, I need to give, I need to have some personal time before I do that. But there is so much value that you can't even quantify with with a, a money, really, that you get from this kind of thing, um, because you, you walk away from it that that money leaves your hand in two seconds. But the experience, the the replay. The, it, everything that you get from that lasts so much longer. Yeah. And, and so it, it, we got to do it for these people too that are putting themselves out there. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. I love that. So it's, it's awesome that you've kind of, you're migrating more into the enduro side of things. I'm also trying to broaden my, my riding. I'm, I just bought a motocross bike yeah. and I've gone to the track one time. The tracks around here are only open like two days thir- a week. Yeah. Yeah. Thursday nights and then Saturday and Sunday and I can't really do Sunday rides and I don't even think I want to do Saturday because I'm trying to save that for the kids. So I'm like, I've yeah. the wife and kids. So I've got one day to ride and, and then some of the tracks haven't been open, but I'm going to do some more of that. Cause it feels like, like we were talking about, it feels like motocross and track riding is now this big blind spot yeah. in, in sort of in my riding. And I want, I want to be well-rounded. I want to be better at cornering. Exactly. I want to be better at traction. I want to be better at jumps. Like I just want to be more well, yeah. more well-rounded and, I mean, so, to get that AMA number one back in the 70s, 60s, you yeah. used to have to do road racing, enduro, motocross, like everything, you know, and, and the riders back then were, were so rounded. And it, it, I don't know, maybe now is a renaissance, maybe you and I are part of the renaissance movement of, of getting, you know, getting really competent in everything. Yeah. Because I, I want to do moto. I want to do enduro. I want to do desert riding. I, I kind of want to, I want to be sufficient at it all. Yeah. And I think, I think we're, we're well on our way to kind of just being yeah. <clears throat> more well-rounded. I'm never, I'm never going to be on the top step of any podium and I don't no. even care to be, but I, I just want to, I want to feel good about myself. And it's one of the things that dirt bikes do for me is it just helps me to feel good about myself. I, before this, one of the other, you know, hobbies that I had for 15 or more years was playing guitar yeah. and I like playing guitar inside of this closet that you can't see. I've got yeah. a couple of guitars, you know, that are still here, some really nice guitars, but I just wasn't very good at it. If, yeah. if like I get down to it, the amount of time that I put into <laughs> guitars, I should have been way better. Yeah. And I, I realized that my wife and I went on a couple of cruises back maybe 10 years ago. And this is when I really realized it because I'm on these cruises. And if you've been on a cruise, you'll see there's multiple bands that mm-hmm. are typically on a cruise that are there. And so I'm like, okay, I'm on this boat. There's five people on this, on this boat that are, five times as good of a guitar player as me and it was just kind of humbling yeah i i like if i'm if i'm in front of a live band i I typically want to sit down and just watch the guitar player right and just be like oh what's he doing here what's he doing here and that or she yeah or she most of the time it's a man (laughs) but yeah if it's a she then i'm i'm really you have to come to vegas more there's yeah i'm really gonna sit down there because i'm i don't see a lot of a lot of female electric guitar players you see a lot of you know some rhythm you know some some artists that are singing or whatever singer songwriters Mm -hmm. when they're playing like an acoustic but you don't see a lot of girls shredding on the guitar but so here i am on this one cruise and i'm just starting to get so demotivated 
to play guitar because mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I suck so bad compared to this person. And yeah. this person is got this gig. They're getting paid maybe $30,000 for the summer to go play guitar, you know, eight hours a day. And I'm like, there's no future in that. And I was never thinking that I was going to make money in guitar, but right. But you highlight then dirt bikes right around that same time I started to ride dirt bikes and I could go ride dirt bikes every other week, especially mm-hmm. at that time, every other week and still see huge gains in my riding because, oh, because yeah. the first of your career, the, the, the winds come, you know, easy and often. And that was so rewarding to me. And the, 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 be, the, the improvement has gotten slower now as I've gotten a little better, but it's still there. And I still find times where I'm just like, I'm, I, I just nailed that. Yeah. And I'm so glad that, you know, that happened. Even I went riding such an amazing feeling. Yeah. I went riding two days ago and there was a couple little, just little things. Like there was some, we're going up this, you know, mountain single track and they'd cut out some washes or they, Actually, we jumped onto a logging road. Like we were on the single track, and then it, it ended up just opened up to a logging road, and there were these washes, like kind of like jumps, ditches. Yeah. <laughs> and earlier in my career, I mean, I would have been so terrified, I would have shifted down and like rolled them in first gear. This time, I just stayed in fourth gear, and I'm like, hopefully they're not too deep, and I'm yeah. just like wheeling through them and jumping across them. And it sounds, I mean, it sounds dumb. Like if, if somebody was there to film it, they'd have been like, Kyle, that was nothing. Yeah. You know, you're not Eli Tomac. You're, you're not, you know, <laughs> AJ Catanzaro or, or whoever. But to me, I felt like a hero. But for, you're completely different from the person you were. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and so you seeing yourself, you know, that, that, that change is, is amazing. Yeah. And it yeah. made me feel good about myself for a minute. And I'm like, that was the whole reason I came up here. I yeah. drove two hours or whatever. And I, all this time and all this stuff so that I could have that feeling where it's just like, I'm not going to shift down. Yeah. I'm going to stay on the gas. I'm going to click up and we're just, and we're just going to jump through these things and we're going to wheelie and we're going to, you know, and it, it's just fun. And I, those are the reasons why I ride. I like those experiences. Um, and I, I look forward to a lot more of them, especially with my boys. Yeah. You know, that's, that's oh, and that what you out. guys share, and I, I watched that last video too that you guys did. It's so amazing. And to watch them progress as well, um, you know, via, via the internet, it, it's, just, it's just absolutely amazing. The, the relationship that you guys are growing, the bonds that you guys have, uh, and, and just the skills that they're developing and that they're going to take into their, the rest of their lives for every, with everything they do. Because they know that if they can go overcome these challenges and on a motocross, which is or a dirt bike, which is super hard, you know what else? What else can they do? Yeah, I I do like the fact that it teaches them that. Like my younger son, he's he's case, he's ten still, he's turning eleven in in September, but um, he's really into basketball and uh, he's got skills that he inherited from someone else because I was never yeah. good at basketball, but he's working hard at it. And I think part of the reason why he's working hard at it and trying to, you know, make the, the better teams or whatever is because he knows he can do hard things, right? you know, from the bike. Um, and it's just the little things that make you proud as a dad. You know, they go down and it seems like both of my, because it's a lot of work. I'll take out both my boys. And it seems like every time we go out, one of them has a harder time than the other one. Like they yeah. always, they always, there's one kid who's a little bit down at the end of the day. They're very competitive against each other. And, and this time it was my 10 year old that was down the time before it, it was my, it was my 13 year old that was down. The 10 year old was on cloud nine and he was ripping and he was actually maybe riding 
not maybe he was riding better than his big brother. And then this other time, the next time we go, it was exactly flip flopped. And so the part of the video that I showed was kind of when his confidence was still high and he kept getting beat down and beat down and beat down. And by the end of it, and you don't see that on the video, by the end of it, his confidence was kind of, kind of shattered. Yeah. And I, in my head, I'm going, that's okay. Because dirt bikes are going to beat you down. And that's one of the reasons why it may, it actually makes dirt bikes safer is because as soon as you start to think that you're better than you are, the bike and the earth resets you. And they're like, you're not as good as you think. And you get humbled. You know, it could be in the form of breaking your hand, or it could be in the form of just twisting your knee or just bumps and bruises. And so what it means is every gain that you get in dirt bikes, you have to earn it. You know, nothing, nothing really comes easy. No. You know, but isn't that the reason why we want to do it? Is because it's challenging. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the the rewards are long lasting. Yeah, you know, they one of the reasons I don't like cooking is because like you could put two hours into something and then in five minutes it's gone. But this, you put hours and hours into something, and those skills and everything are there to stay. They're there to yeah. last. I I you hate know? I hate eating. For yeah, the, <laughs> uh, eating to me is just like well, the cooking side of it. You spend all this time. Yeah. Think about like Thanksgiving, like you you know, between all the people and all the prep, you're putting like five, 10 hours into like this meal. And it's, it's usually a couple minutes. of days, Kyle. Well, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, if you, yeah, if you actually, yes. You, yeah. And then it's gone in 20 minutes, you right. know? but it's the idea of getting together, but, and that's fine every once in a while, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever, but yeah, like to do it every day. But that's, that's it. Yeah. It's the investment in time with the return for what you've put into it. Yeah. And with this, the more time you put in there, you get so much out. And one of the things that I, I discovered yesterday um, and discovered because it was told to me was that, you know, I, I really, I'm at that point where if I want to do a certain kind of riding, I need to go out and not ride. I need to go out and do drills. Because one of the things that I got out of this too, and it was kind of humbling for me, is I can and go this out This is the training ride. with Rich Larson, Yeah, this right? is the training with Rich. I, I can keep going out and keep doing the same loop that I'm comfortable with and keep getting better at that. But that's not actually, that's not pushing me. You know, and so if I do another ride like the one we did yesterday, I was gassed. And I'm granted, I had COVID for a couple of months back last year, and so my lungs aren't what they used to be. But um, not an excuse. If I was in the right body position, if I was using the right technique, everything else. I mean, at the end, Rich could have done the whole ride again two more times. You know, and me, because I'm in the wrong spot because I'm not using the right technique. And, and basically what he was saying is like, listen, if you put the time if you put the time in and work on these techniques and get your clutch control and get your balance dialed, even when you're moving and all this other stuff, you're going to enjoy the ride as opposed to, Oh my gosh, how am I going to make it back? Do I have enough water? Yeah. I'm chugging water like an elephant, I'm- <laughs> you know, because, because I'm, I'm, I'm out there. And then at like two thirds of the way through, I'm like, now I have to ration my water. Cause I don't even know if I have enough to get back. And yeah. It made sense. I need to work on, the drills, the the blips, the balance, the everything else, so that when I go out, I can go further. I can use less energy and everything else. And um, so I think that that's that's a big focus of mine going forward is when I have time to go ride, I need to go and do drills and practice. Is that because so you, you mentioned when you got here? Is that kind of what your one of your revelations yesterday by doing that training? Was yeah. that what you meant? Yeah, yeah, definitely one of one of them. Yeah, it's just because it, it's so hard. You know, you get a dirt bike and you put all this stuff on there, and you get some clothes and you get a fancy helmet and everything else, and you go out and train. And we work out and we stretch, right? But how often do you go out, take the bike off the trailer, go into a stretch routine? I warm up your body. We don't do that, right? So the same thing too. When we get the bike and we're out there in the woods or wherever we go, it's all we want to do is just get on that bike and go ride. 
you know, but we don't realize that we're doing ourselves a disservice yeah. by doing that, by not having the education, by not having the training and the technique dialed so that we, we could enjoy it so much more, tenfold more, if we all went out there competent, you know? Yeah, well, and you spend it's, a lot... It's a hard balance. You spend a lot less energy, too, when oh, you yeah. have better technique. And I think that's one of the things I've noticed over the years is I'm able to do a lot longer rides and a lot harder rides, but I... and I at the, at the beginning, you're spending so much energy. Yeah. Um, what we do as we progress in our riding is we, we stop fighting the bike so much and mm-hmm. we start using more technique and that it means you use less energy and then yeah. you've got more stamina. And I think that's what you're, what you're alluding yeah. to is, is, um, is just, just that as exactly you, it. as you continue to progress with your skills and things, you, you start to become more efficient yeah. on the bike and let the bike do certain things. But it's funny too because no matter if you're gonna do a training with Rich Larson, yeah. you're always gonna come back gas. It doesn't matter every huh? time because he <laughs> he just goes to the level. He just watches, and I've only done yeah. one with him, but I've seen uh, many people do them, and uh, he just goes to the level that you can you can do, and so yeah. you're you're gonna come back gas. It's and, amazing unless you're unless you're him. You know yeah. you're gonna come <laughs> you're gonna come back gas. But he pushes you. He takes you out of your comfort zone, yeah. and that's what you're paying for. You know, so Rich does a fantastic job with those trainings and he's, he's a really good resource in our area, in the intermountain area. He lives in Utah. Um, he'll, you can come, you can book a class with him. I think you just hit him up on Instagram, Rich Larson five at Rich Larson five eleven, Yeah. And, uh, you can do a training with him and, and really, and, really cool guy. Yeah. And, and he's very rewarding too, when you do well, when you do something right. So it's not just like, okay, finally it's, it's high fives, it's fist bumps and stuff like that. I mean, it was such, it's such an amazing experience. He's such a great guy. Yeah. He's very passionate about yeah. teaching. He really likes yeah. it. And that's something that, I mean, I'm, I couldn't do what he does a, cause I, I don't have the, I don't have the skills that he has. I mean, I could do classes. I could do some trainings with people on beginner stuff. I could, I totally could, but I'm not as extroverted as he is. And I'm not as passionate about teaching. And so it's kind of a perfect fit for him. He's, he's really talented and and adept at that. So Rich is a great guy. So, yeah. So what other, like, what are the things, what do you see on the horizon? What are you, what are you uh, planning? Do you have any rides coming up? Uh, what do you, you know, so um, I'm hoping to take a, another uh, moto class from AJ Catanzaro uh, okay. in September. So I'll, I'll probably at least do a class with him. I've been trying, I have vacation coming up in September. So I was thinking about going down to uh, MX factory down in uh, Austin area, but they're kind of in between locations. And so I'm not sure if I'll be able to do that, but um, either riding with Tyler down there or with AJ uh, in September for sure. So I'll be doing Tyler, some more training. Tyler, uh, Tyler Lipsey. Okay, uh, I don't know that one. Yeah, he's a he's an MX Factory um, guy. Okay. Yeah, he's he's also a great coach. Been teaching for a long time. Cool. Um, so yeah, just really really good people. But uh, so yeah, I mean, I I think I think now I I have a Yamaha Tenere seven hundred, um, and I think because it's still so hot in Las Vegas where I live, uh, it's it was like one hundred twelve past couple of days, and I think we got up to one twenty at some point this summer. Um, so I'll, I'll be doing drills, but it's going to be a little bit longer. Uh, so I think what I'm going to be doing is getting my my other dual sport, my tent, my T7 uh, brake lines, new brake lines put on and probably do a, a couple adventure rides. Fun. Kind of go up in the mountains, go up north, maybe to Idaho where it's a little bit cooler. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to do some road trips with my dad before I gave away that motorcycle. It's still sitting in my garage because the way that it's worked out, I'm delivering it later this month. Um. But uh, my dad's like, man, we only got one ride in, one street bike ride in. My dad's a big Harley guy. Yeah. Well, he's got a Harley. He's got a Yamaha Venture as well. But I'm like, I got, I got to get another bike and go with you. But I'm not as big into the street stuff. Like, 
I almost fell asleep. We went on a we went on a little trip, my dad and I together. Mm-hmm. Last year on that KTM twelve ninety, he was on his bike, I was on my bike. And there was a couple there was probably three times I almost fell asleep yeah. on the motorcycle. Because <laughs> you just get going and the wind is you know and if you're on a straight road, which unfortunately sometimes you have no other option than right. like some highway. My dad's good at like trying to plan out a route where we can go through some cool twisty roads and some mountain stuff, but like sometimes you just can't avoid being yeah. on the freeway or yeah, some you can't. you know high, straight highway somewhere, and that's where I was dangerous. Yeah, I, I like my longer trips. Uh, I, I like going out to Lake Powell to camp, and then I usually go through like Monument Valley or Mooley Point, Moki Dougie Pug, uh, Dugway. Yeah, and uh, ending up in Colorado, I have a friend there too that uh, lives in Cortez, and he has an adventure bike company, and um, I've known him for about ten years, and. Whenever I go out there, we just do the mountain passes out there in Colorado. Isn't so. that isn't that Cortez? Isn't that where uh, Eli Tomac is from? Is he? Is it? I think it is. Cortez. I don't know. I I know. I know. My friend lives down the street from from one of the famous motocross guys. So maybe That's it might actually him. be him. Yeah, yeah. If it is him, he says he's a really nice guy. Yeah, so, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure he is from Corten, Cortez. Yeah, yeah, he's Eli Tomac is from Cortez, oh, Colorado. Oh, okay, yeah, then, so yeah, he's, so, so he's, he's my buddy's of, neighbor. Yeah, um, so he's one of the biggest guys in Mount Yeah, Cross. yeah, Tomac is, yeah, yeah, amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know, maybe if I go out there this uh, this fall, maybe I'll uh, go see if uh, Tomac's fence is open, go ride on his uh, private track out there. It's funny because I just pulled up <clears throat> the Alpine Stars page for Eli Tomac and they listed his, listed his date of birth as November 14th, 2021. I think, <laughs> I think that's a it's a typo. Yeah, I think the Russians got to him. They must have. <laughs> well, that's awesome. But then, And then the other thing I do too, um, I'm not sure if we talked about this, but I'm also a, a musician and I play in a band in Las Vegas. Let's talk about that. What so, do you play? Uh, I play guitar and I sing. Uh, why, why, why have we waited... 41 minutes in this I podcast before no, we got to I don't know no one's going to listen to this yeah. now. Do you have a, web, do you have a website? <laughs> uh, we, we do have a website, but we're on Facebook. Uh, our Instagram's kind of weak, uh, but we do get played on the radio out in Las Vegas. Uh, What's the name? Of, what, how do I search it The name Facebook? of the band is Revolta. So if you just type in like all caps, Revolta or Revolta NV, it should come up. Uh, uh, yeah, type in Revolta NV. With a space or no? No space. No space. Revolta NV. Yeah, it'll have a picture of me with my mustache and... Where are you? Up on there. Huh. Do I have to... It wouldn't matter if I typed it in caps, would it? Um, It might. It's it's kind of strange, but it, it, it should kind of work. Revolta Envy. So you play... How long have you played guitar then? So I've been playing guitar 31 years. So you're... I should be a lot better than I am. But, you know, kind of like what you were saying too, it's like you, you kind of stop um, progressing... Uh, at a certain point and yeah there's there's that's our website there there you go yeah this looks like this looks like a rock band right here yeah yeah so So, we're we're a three-piece rock band um yeah we used to we used to play quite a bit before all the covid stuff and uh yeah a couple songs we have songs on uh, apple music and in what's the other one spotify and all those all the online forum kind of stuff what guitar is this? The- uh, that one is a Fender Jaguar. That was one of the the Japanese edition ones. I don't have that one anymore. Now I have a custom made one that I had made for my fortieth birthday. So you're the lead singer uh, here. Yeah, you're, you're so, like lead singer, lead guitarist. Yeah. So I write. I I do. I do all the music stuff, and um, we have like a whole rehearsal space at our house and everything too. So yeah, there we go. 
I love it. I'm yeah. going to have to watch these videos now. Yeah, it's fun stuff. And, and like I said, we've, we've had a couple songs on the radio out there in Vegas now, and uh, it's been it's been great, but it's a lot of work. Look at you in this. You're you're like, you got the, the jacket on. You're looking uh, yeah. all like, you look like dapper here. Yeah, I, I had in, in one show, I had a Tommy Hilfiger suit with some Nikes. That's awesome. But yeah, I like to, I don't know. It's Vegas, so you kind of have to put on a show. Sure. Yeah. Well, it looks like you put on a better show than we ever put on. Nah, we, we were never playing like clubs <laughs> in Vegas. We were playing like car shows is what we did. Yeah, we used to play this casino um, every once in a while and then out on Fremont Street. And there was um, a couple of venues, some that aren't there now since COVID. So, yeah, but it's it's been a great time. Oh, and then I would do some of these uh, what they called writer rounds where I'm just doing singer songwriter kind of stuff, just playing my music. That's so, so. cool. Yeah, I'm gonna listen to this afterwards with yeah. volume on. It's it's fun. I the the stuff on Spotify or Apple Music is a lot better. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's this this a lot, a lot quality of, and everything. So you got original stuff. Yeah. Do you do any original. covers or um, is it all original? I I I would rewrite songs. Okay. Yeah. So did a version of Nothing Compares to You. We did a version of Hotel California. Cool. Um, but all kind of in my own. Everybody kind of said it was like a post-apocalyptic kind of style or something i don't know i, I yeah the dystopia it was i guess or dystopic That's i guess fine. was what somebody was saying at one point that was like, All right. hotel california was the reason why our little family band ever happened because i was i was playing at my uh i'd go over to my cousin's house in high school we'd play guitar together or whatever and then we got married and we'd go over to his house and jam a little bit and then you know, his wife picked up a bass guitar at one. No, his wife picked up like a, a, an acoustic guitar at one point, And then we put a bass in my wife's hand and w- none of us knew how to play bass. We're right. just like, hey, you like hit this one and hit this, you know, put your finger here and put your finger here. So we were kind of doing that. And then it just sort of evolved from there. And we were never any good. We got a We got a drum. We had a couple different drummers and we had a couple different keyboard players and different things. And um, it was it was fun. But I mean, <laughs> it's hard. It's wrangling but, cats. But we we would just do covers and we played at like car shows and different things. And it's kind of embarrassing to go back and because I would <laughs> I would work so hard. I would practice all this stuff and then I would listen to it. Uh, we would record some of it and yeah. I would just like it was like nails on a chalkboard to me. Right. I, I couldn't believe how bad I sounded. Yeah. And eventually I'm just like, I got to stop this because I'm just not good. Yeah. You know, and my it was funny because my dad would say, "Oh, you're such a good guitar player and all this stuff." And I, I the only thing, I, my only explanation for that is, Dad, you're just so biased. Yeah. Like it's I'm like, not, that's not good parenting, Dad. Yeah, I'm not good. <laughs> like I'm not good. Now, if I'm having fun at it, you know, and I did have fun and it was fulfilling for many years, but when I was trying to do it seriously, and I use seriously loosely, yeah. But if performing in front of people, I mean. I was just never good. Yeah. The the only the only time that was fun, well not the only time that was fun, but the highlight of my the highlight of my guitar career was uh we we wanted to cover Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Yeah. So um we're up at this I had been practicing the solo for months. I practiced the solo for 5 months. I mean it was just stupid cuz I'm not that good. And I had most of the notes for the solo down. I think I had like 90% of them down. There was there was a lick that that Slash did somewhere in there that I I could never figure it out. I mean, I, I could see the tablature. Yeah. And so I understood what they said, but I couldn't make it work. <clears throat> but anyway, so I'm going through and it's towards the end of his solo. There's like this little lick that happens at the end of Sweet Child of Mine at the end of the solo. And uh, we're in front. We're in front of this. We're at this car show where there's like 15, 20,000 people. 
And there's a few hundred people milling around listening to us. Right. So a lot of people can hear us, but there's probably 300 people that are right in front of us. So now the pressure's on. Pressure's on. And so, you know, we get, we, get, we get to the solo and I like switch over to, you know, my other preset and I'm right in front of this monitor and it's like a 15 inch monitor, huge monitor, you know, and I just start, I just start going into it and I get to that, I get to that like end part of the solo. That's kind of the coolest part. Yeah. And for the first time ever, and I got chills, like the, the hairs on the back of my head stood up <laughs> because I started to hear people like cheering over, yeah. my, over my guitar. Right. You know, and you I, channeled and I had done, I moment. had done that. I had done that solo a thousand times, yeah. you know what I mean? To try to get it. And I, I, at that point it was just close my eyes. It was the one time it was like, I can't have my eyes open and do yeah. this. You know, I just need to concentrate. And so I close my eyes and I can, I, I like, I can almost feel like the sound coming up from the monitor. Yeah. You can almost feel like coming up and hitting you, and it's almost like you can feel it doing it. And then all of a sudden, there was this other thing. There was this screaming yeah. from the crowd, and I was like, "What is that?" And then I realized, "Oh, people are cheering for what I'm doing." Yeah, and it was amazing. Yeah, and it was the one time. It lasted for three seconds. Yeah, and when I really think about it, I played guitar for 15 years <laughs> for that for, three seconds. For three seconds. Yeah, that's really what it was because that was the pinnacle. I didn't know it at the time, but yeah. that was the pinnacle. It was all downhill from there. We, we played that song many, many. It was the first time we'd performed the song in front right. of people, um, and I performed it a couple dozen other times. Yeah. No one ever, no one ever cheered. Yeah. No one ever cheered after that. I even played it better and no one cheered. And wow. I'm just like, okay, this, like, I'm just not good enough, you know? And, and then I would listen to what we'd play, you know, cause we'd record it and everything. And I'm like, wow, I like, I messed that up and I messed yeah. that up and I messed that up. And I was so critical of my playing that I'm like, I, I need to stop. Oh, and that's kind of how it how it ended. Well, and I still have some really nice guitars, and yeah. but I don't play. Well, my uh, Tori, my partner back home yesterday after riding with Rich, she said, "Did he tell you to stop riding?" No way. <laughs> was it that bad? I couldn't imagine. That's the uh, the feeling you were going through after the guitar thing. It's like, well, this is it. Yeah, I'm but going to put it away. Yeah, but no, it isn't because you're <laughs> there. You've got so much green grass in yeah. front of you. If you, if, and obviously maybe you felt like you sucked yesterday. I'm sure you didn't. But I mean, you're just kind of, we're just getting started in this. Yeah. Um, I'm, but I'm, but in, it, by the time you've played an instrument for 15 years, yeah. you know, you've got to, I've got to hold myself to a higher standard. And I'm like, I've only got a limited amount of time in the yeah. day. And I was, it was to the point where it's like, I knew I had to practice for one hour every day. Yeah. If I did not practice one hour every day, I could feel myself slipping right. and going backwards. Yeah. I don't have to practice dirt bikes every day for an hour. Now, if I was at the level of some of these supercross racers or whatever, yeah, you, you kind of do. Otherwise you start yeah. to slip back. But I was, I didn't have enough talent in music to, I had so little talent in music that I had to put in more work than everyone. Most of the other people that I could see, I'm just like, this probably isn't the yeah. best use of my time. Yeah. Well, and one of the good things is that if for whoever's listening to this right now, you don't have to be the best. I'm not the best guitarist and I did vocal coaching and, and my vocal coach has now passed on. But, um, but you know, he said that I had a really amazing voice. I'm not the best singer. I'm not the best singer. And I'm not the best guitarist, but what I got really good at was putting the two together, you know, it, having that good ear and making sounds and, and knowing what you're good at, knowing where your strengths are. And I think that relates to so many different things in life too. Even with being on the motorcycle, there, there's, there's three kinds of riders and one of them is really rare. There's the kind that are think they're better than they are, right? There's the kind like you that think you're not as good as you are. And then there's the people that are really self, um, 
reflective and, and know exactly where they are. And that's where I try to be. I try to be like, okay, what is my current level? Like what, how can I play to where I'm at right now? And I think, I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, it's, it's kind of a, almost a, not really a sense of humbleness, but just self-awareness. And um, I, th- I think that's just huge in life. I, I, I play with that at work as well. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to try to land in a thunderstorm because I know, hey, you know, I'm not going to do that. N- not, not because I'm not that good or because I'm better or whatever else. It's just I know to make a different decision. And so I could do that with music, do that with the bike, do that at work, and do that in life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, uh, that's a good that's a good thing. I could never sing and play at the same time. I could I could it I could strum hard. I could strum chords sometimes. Yeah. And and harmonize with somebody, yeah. but I couldn't play electric guitar like I what I what I saw you doing just in this video and some of these videos without the sound on. Yeah. This isn't you here. No, but, no. But okay. I but I could see okay, so I might be able to do this, like strum this out and sing a little bit. Yeah. But like some of the other stuff that I saw, like as far as like doing any sort of real electric guitar playing or yeah. licks while singing impossible for me it's hard impossible it's i could hard. never do it and so the fact I struggle and so for the fact that you can do those two things at once because for me i couldn't even i i couldn't even tap my foot hardly yeah. like my wife would get up there and she wasn't even a she wasn't even a musician but she's a dancer yeah and so she could like do bass licks or runs and kind of like dance around yeah. at the same time and i'm like i can't do that you know, and so here she is putting in no time and she's a, and I'm like, she'd probably be a better musician than me. Right. She actually looks better. There was a, t- there was a time where even though my wife had no idea what to do with the bass because she had never had any lessons and we didn't know what to tell her. We're just like, well, like we want you to play fifth fret, ninth fret, this string, this string. We would tell her what notes we're on. Yeah. So we want you to do something here with these, these frets or whatever. But she was comfortable enough dancing. And so, yeah. and so after one, like there was this, Amer- we played one time with, um, this American idol, like finalist or whatever her name's Carmen Rasmus. And we played with her one time and she liked my wife so much. And she saw how my wife was good on stage as far as like dancing around. Right. And she, here's this girl who's played with like all these professional mu- musicians. And she asked my wife is like, Hey, do you want to play bass for me in a couple of like different gigs? And Karen was, and the reason why is because she saw how fluid she was on stage. Right. I, I'm, and I was like, how can you not hear that? She doesn't know how to play, <laughs> but she looked good enough on stage yeah. and she looked comfortable enough yeah. and she was fun and she was dancing. Right. And so that was more important to this real musician, this real singer. Yeah. She wanted somebody that looked good and was having fun and could get the crowd involved over the fact that she's not like an accomplished bassist because yeah. she wasn't bless her heart. My wife didn't know how to play bass. She was holding a bass and she was strumming out some bass stuff. Yeah. But there's a difference between holding the tar, guitar and going boom, 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 boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she didn't play bass, but yet she was getting like job offers. She got a job offer from a legit, legit musician to come play bass because she had the ability to still move her body around and have fun and look good. I could never do that. Yeah. You know, and coming back to dirt bikes, it's something where I'm not a, I'm not the best dirt biker. I'm, an above average dirt biker, but I have enough aptitude in dirt bikes where I'm like, I'm not wasting my time, you know? Yeah. And that feels, that feels good to me Yeah, that I'm not wasting my time in it. Um, you're it, doing what you should be doing I hope. and, and what you do for the community for the dirt bike community is absolutely amazing. And, uh, I, maybe you don't get enough thanks. You don't get enough praise for it, but, uh, the, the amount of hard work that you put in, to this community is has just been amazing so 
um, for me, thank you. And I'm, I'm sure for just about everybody listening, thank you. Well, it's, it's a lot of work. It's been a lot of work and it's been, at times it's been a grind and I have to, I have to, um, guard myself against burnout. Mm-hmm. I've seen burnout in the rest of, in other aspects of my life. And it was one of the big fears that I had coming into this is cause you know, this dirt bikes changed my life and it really gave me something to look forward to. And, and, Gave me something to feel good about myself. Yeah. And then you go turn it, you go put it out online and then you find out, oh, this isn't always going to feel good because you're going to get all this criticism and all this hate and everything. So there's that side of it. And then there's the other side of, well, if you're going to work in, work in dirt bikes and work in your passion, it will be easy to lose that passion. Yeah. And so it's been a big balancing act for me to try to still stay, still stay passionate about bikes, even though I'm eating and breathing the video aspect of it and cutting things down and, and always being self-conscious about what are people going to say with this? And there's always the haters, you know, and the people that say you have no credibility and it's kind of made me where I, in most cases, I don't look at comments online because I'm like, this isn't healthy for me. Um, every once in a while it's okay. I'll go through and I'll check some comments on YouTube, but for the most part, I don't look at them because I'm just like, with the way that my brain works and how critical I am of myself anyway, then you get, you know, that whoever they are, sometimes they're probably 12 year old kids in basements or whatever, but it's, it's hard for you to know. And you're like, well, yeah. this guy might actually be a 30 year old, 35 year old writer who is really, really good. And he's just talking about how bad you suck. Yeah. And you can't really, it's, I, I think that's really important for people to know that, that do comment and the do watch your, your content that, the reason that maybe you don't respond or that you don't read all of them is because you actually do care. And if somebody does say something negative, that there's a certain sensitivity about that, that, you know, you don't want to go to that dark place. Yeah. And And so, and you do it out of a caring position because you, you, you don't want to get derailed. Yeah. Well, I used to respond to every single comment. This was years ago. I would respond to every single comment. And then it got to the point where first off, it was a lot, a lot of extra work. And then secondly, it was like, okay, the way that the human psychology works, at least the way my brain works, and I know a lot of other people can relate to this, is you can have 100 comments where it says, hey, great video, great video. But you got one comment where it says, you are such a moron. And you remember that comment. You yeah. do, it, that one negative comment overrides all the other ones. It's almost like a self-preservation thing. It, that it, we, is, it absolutely that is. That we've We're, evolved with over yeah. time. You know, because if you're, you know, let's say you're caveman 10,000 years ago or whatever, you see the pretty birds and you see this deer over here and you see the stream and you've got all these good inputs, but what does your mind focus in on? It focuses in on the Jaguar and the T-Rex, the, the T-Rex, yeah. whatever it was, you know, the, the lion mm-hmm. that's waiting in the weeds. And that, that, that is a threat to you. Yeah. And it overrides all of the other good things. And we are evolved in a way to look for those negative things, look for those yeah. dangerous things, the things that are going to hurt us. Yeah, We're programmed to keep those and keep them at the top. Right. We, to we, defend yeah, ourselves. Exactly. Right and so that's what happens with comments online. And sometimes, sometimes I will call people back. Like there was a guy after this last sweepstakes. Um, it, for those of you that don't know, the sweepstakes are, it's, it's a revenue stream that I try to use. There are a lot of work. Um, and those, the give, like there's always these people who say, oh, it's rigged or whatever. And <laughs> so at the, I did the sweepstakes. We had the live drawing and everything. And then there was a guy who emails me right afterwards and he's like f this f that you're such a f and this and this is such f and bs and all this stuff you know never send me another f and email he goes off like goes off and so i'm looking at that email and i'm like i pull up his email and i go into my email list to make sure he's unsubscribed 
And in my, I use Clavio for my email. Um, and I could see not only is it, well, he's already unsubscribed, but this is a customer. Hmm. This is somebody who's purchased from me multiple times. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that hurts because this isn't just a random dude. This is somebody who supported me. Yeah. And now he's pissed. Now he's really pissed. And I don't know why, but I just like in the moment, I'm like, excuse me. I'm like, I've got his phone number. I'm just going to call him. I look, I see he's in Chicago area. I'm like, it's 1015, but he's just sent this email to me. And so I'm like, I've got his phone number. I don't have it in the email because you just said right. never, never f and email me again or whatever. But I see it. I've got it in Clavio. Didn't so, say don't call. Yeah. So I so <laughs> exactly. So I call him and he answers and sounded like he's probably drunk. And I'm like, I just told him, I'm like, hey, I just wanted to thank you for support the support in the past. I don't know what I did to upset you, but I'm not going to email you again. And then he he goes off. You know, he's kind of like defending. He's like, and I just told him, I'm like, I just want you to know. That when you send an email like this, um, there's people on the other side of it. Yeah. And I'm doing, I'm doing the best that I can. And even though you might not think, you might think that I did something wrong, or you obviously think I did something wrong, but I just want you to know, when you send an email like this, there are consequences on the other side. I read this. I saw it. And this isn't the type of person that I want to be, and I just want you to think about what the type, what, what, influence you want to have in the world i'm not going to email you again um but this isn't building the world right now you know and i just he wasn't super happy with with that because i think i called and maybe uh, maybe i shouldn't have done it but i was just like at certain times i just want people to know that if you're going to do something online you know you got keyboard courage this is not making the world a better place you know if you have a real beef you could be like hey here's what i'm upset about i'm upset about you know, this thing or whatever. But if you're just going to rip people a new one, yeah. you know, there's, there's criticism and there's constructive criticism. I'll take constructive criticism all day. But if you're just going to be mean, if you're just going to be an a-hole, you know, it's like I, I can't deal with that. And there's enough of those people mixed in online to where I'm like, I've got to protect myself. Yeah. And it goes back to that thing you talked about. I want to still be able to produce this content. And if I'm consuming all of these if I'm consuming all this negative negativity, I will just stop. Yeah. I can't I can't consume it all. You know, even though it's only one percent, you know, and I'll get different people out there that'll email me and say, Hey Kyle, forget the haters. You know, let you know, just water off a duck's back. Yeah. Easier said than done, man. Yeah. You know, especially when you're putting in your heart and soul into this. Imagine imagine if every flight that you had you know, because a lot of times you, you kind of yeah. stand there and the people go off. Imagine yeah. if every flight, one person, and you've got you've got two hundred fifty people on the plane, but if every time one person said to you, "Dude, that was the worst effing flight I've ever been on. You suck so bad, you should retire right now." Like I can't believe that you even have a pilot's license. Imagine if that happened. Like that would suck. Yeah. And that hap- that's what it is. If you create something online. I stopped standing at the door just for that reason. Really? No, Did people- just kidding. <laughs> but that, that would be horrible. And, right, that, and right. that's what it is online. Yeah. No one's ever going to do, well, very few people are ever going to do that, like standing face to face to you, even if yeah. they thought you screw, it, screwed the landing. It's accountability. They're not going to tell yeah. you that. They're going like, yeah. to be like, oh, rough landing or whatever. Right. They're not going to say you're the worst pilot ever. Right. But online they do. And it's yeah. like, this is not helping well, us. Well, like you said, keyboard courage. As, as soon as we stop picking up a pen, writing a letter, signing our name, licking the envelope and putting on a stamp, like we, people have, have basically lost that accountability for what they do. They, they think that it's just, they could just say anything and, and not, not have repercussions for it. 
Yeah. So so it's kind of tough. Well, I've got I've got a question for you. Okay. And I'm not sure if you're ready to wrap this up or not, but sure. Maybe this could be the, the wrap up question. Perfect. I was thinking about this. Why do you ride dirt bikes? I was thinking about this on my drive over here this morning. Because it, it seems like such a, such a simple question, like, you know, why is the sky blue or, you know, why does rain fall? But why, why do you ride dirt bikes? It costs a lot of money. You hurt yourself. Always buying stuff. It takes up time. I don't want to give like a surface <laughs> answer. And so that's why I'm so reflective. Yeah. I've actually done a video on this, yeah. it was, but it was three years ago. And yeah. I'm thinking about it's the feeling that it gives me. It's the, it's the fulfillment. And the gratitude that I feel. I get something out of dirt bikes that I can't. I can't articulate. There's, there's a recharging, there's a feeling that I've never felt in any other thing. And I hope that everyone is able to find that thing for them. And it's not going to be dirt bikes for everybody. Yeah. You know, some people, it could be golf. Uh, some people, it could be, what's that? It could be a lot of things, but for me, there's just something it gives me yeah. that where I get nowhere else. There's a little bit of adrenaline. There's a little bit of humbling. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, fear. There's all of these little things that just kind of, it just speaks to me. Yeah, It speaks to me and it fills my soul in a way that nothing else has. And so I just keep going back to that feeling. It's almost like I'm an addict. Yeah. You know, and I'm going back. I'm just I'm just wanting that that hit again. I'm wanting that high again. Yeah. And for me, that's, you know, that keeps me coming back. And the promise of additional adventures. Mm-hmm. Like adventure. You know, yeah. it, it's just like these things. There are things that we see on bikes that we would never see any other way. Yeah. And there are experiences that we have that we would never have any other way. Even just like your experience in Mexico and Copper Canyon. You know, who... Not many people have a story like that. You're like, yeah. I broke my hand in the middle of Mexico. And I rode three days back with a broken hand. And I had to have help, you know, getting my glove off in in uh, backwoods gas stations, you know, speaking a language that I can't really speak. And I had all these amazing experiences. You can't buy that, Leo. No. Like those experiences cannot be purchased. They are earned. And, you know, maybe hunting for someone is going to do that. Maybe race car driving or whatever. But there, you've got to find something in your life and it's going to evolve over time. Yeah. You know, may, maybe you and I burn out in dirt bikes in 10 years and 10 years from now, you know, it's some other thing. Maybe it's skydiving. Maybe we get into that or maybe whatever, just all this <laughs> random stuff. You roll your eyes, but I'm afraid of heights, but, but so, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, we need to find something that gives us that fulfillment yeah. that gives us a reason to live. And it gives us like something to look forward to Yeah, all week at work. You, you know, you're in a place maybe that you don't want to be. What is that thing that's pulling you to like, Hey, at the end of the week, or when I get some time, when I get my next vacation time, what is pulling you? What is kind of, you know, pulling you along? That's what dirt bikes is, has been for me. Yeah. Why do you ride dirt bikes? 
Well, I mean that. So coming over here today, and and kind of what what you described to me, especially in the beginning, it just kind of sounds like like love, you know. Like if you, if you if you put a person, like an actual human being, into that position that you were trying to describe the bike to, it just sounds like it's it's just something that it's somewhat indescribable. But for me, driving over here this morning, I'm thinking, you know, when I get back, I got to get this thing off my truck. I got to wash it. I got to fix what little things I bent and went sideways. I got to order some other parts. Got to order some other parts for my other bike. I want to go on vacation, but I kind of want to do this training. You know, so it's one of these things where it's like, oh, I got to probably rebuild some stuff. I got to adjust my carb. You know, it's it's all this work. It's all this investment. It's something that's really demanding. And when I go ride, I'm like, yeah, I'm a, okay, I'm going to go ride. I'm probably going to get sore and I might get a little bit bruised up. And even even with all the stuff that's involved, I just can't, I can't not do it. Though it's almost like kind of like a, like a calling, like it, it would leave such a void. Like I can't say why I want to do it. I just know that if I don't, there's a huge void. And not even cowbell is going to fill this one, you know? So I, I don't know. It's, it's a hard question. Maybe it's something I need to think about, or maybe it's just something we don't think about and we just kind of keep going. But I was kind of wondering, you know, it's like, well, what, what's, it, it, does anybody have that, that golden answer? You know, why do you ride dirt bikes? Like, well, because I, I can't imagine not. I think your answer of love was probably the better one. I think you yeah. articulated it better than I did. It's, it's just because you love it. You know? And you get, in your case especially, you give more probably than you get, or at least equal amount, because you give so much to dirt biking and dirt bikes with what you do. So for you, it's just this beautiful flow in and out you know it, it and, maybe, and with love you do it, you have to give and you it maybe seems like that you know my perspective yeah. is totally different i listen to i listen to you talk and i just i just have to listen like because you say oh you're doing so much for the community it's really nice to hear that that isn't how it feels to me yeah. it feel to me it just feels like i'm i'm i mean okay so this week i i'm interested in this product i might buy this product and i maybe do an install video on it and so i just like kind of document it i'm it just feels like to me i'm journaling almost yeah. i'm journaling or i'm documenting it doesn't really feel like i'm giving back to the community but then i hear from other people and they say oh you're doing so much for our community and i like oh that that's good it's good that people feel that way i just feel like i'm journaling you know in a public way which is awkward because i'm an introvert um so I kind of have this public persona, but then really I'm a private guy, yeah. you know? And so I'm kind of in this juxtaposition and it's, it's kind of awkward and I get, I get a lot of ride requests and those are the most awkward. Cause I'm just like, I didn't come into this to ride with a bunch of people. Right. You know what I mean? And every once in a while there's a connection that's made with somebody, you know, like it would have been really awesome to go riding with you. There's, there's certain people. And I just try to listen. I just try to listen to how I feel. I can't go riding with everybody. So I'll engage with people. And, um, if, if it feels like there's a connection and it seems like it might be kind of fun to go out and do a ride, I will. But I mean, there's so many people that are always wanting to go ride. Yeah. And I, it's so awkward for me to be like, um, I don't think that's going to happen, you know? And so it's it's good to know that there that value people feel like there's some value that, that happens from from the videos and the content um and uh if you're getting value out of it you know you're welcome if you're not getting value out of it um i'm sorry i'm i'm just i'm doing the best that i can you know yeah i'll, I'll refund your money it's all free. it's all, it's all free <laughs> Check some but anyway well, well this has been awesome thanks so much for stopping by the next time you come up i definitely want to do a ride 
Maybe maybe you plan it or we plan it so you don't go yeah. riding with Rich Larson right before. Oh, yeah, I'll do that after. That that's yeah. a, that's always that's always a mistake there because <laughs> Rich Rich has a way of just beating you up. Such a good guy, but he's going to yeah. push you to. to your I'm limits. a rag doll today. But sure. that but that's good. It's good to be humbled. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good to know where your limits are, and then you kind of know what to work on. And I think it's a great thing. So everybody, if you want to support the Dirtbike Channel podcast, one of the best ways you can do it, obviously, you can go over, over to my website. Right now, I have a, um, a sweepstakes going on in the month of August. So if you go to dirtbikechannel.com, you can pick up some entries for a 2021 250XE WTPI that I'm giving away. Um, all the purchases you make on dirtbikechannel.com give you entries for that. And also, I have links to Rocky Mountain ATV. If you go over there or to my website, dirtbikechannel.com, there's links there you can purchase anything you want from Rocky Mountain ATV and in the month of August it's going to give you entries for that motorcycle so I can't think of a single good reason why you wouldn't use my links uh, because might win you a dirt bike so it's pretty cool so anyway that's what we've got for you today thanks so much for Leo for stopping by that's very awesome Um, if you have ideas for other podcasts hit me up Kyle at dirtbikechannel.com if I don't get to your email my assistant will Um, and if you have you know let's let's come by and let's let's figure out a good podcast let's figure out some stuff to talk about and add to the community i like i think these are good podcasts for people to listen to when they're on their way to the track or on the way to the trail and it's a lot of fun so anyway thanks again leo i hope you have hope you have a good drive thank you you got a six hour drive ahead of you yeah i have cruise control you have cruise yeah on the toyota tundra that's like 1794 edition i love it with the sweet tan seats this dude rolls into my driveway and like this really nice truck and my truck's just got regular leather seats you've got like the, <laughs> <laughs> you've got the, i've got air vents and suede and <laughs> yeah i got the old man's truck oh you got the pilot yeah. truck no it is it is an old man truck it is but is, i had the old man's truck and i love it we're starting to get to be old men though you're a year older than me so okay well thank you so much and uh until next time leave a single track thanks everybody